And so then I started thinking about what is the fastest way that I can get uh, a psychoactive organic compound into somebody's brain. Well, obviously it's smoking it. The Green Rush is real. From lawmakers and investment bankers to CEOs and investors, we'll look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannapreneurs from Hollywood to Wall Street. Here to help you navigate the business of cannabis, please welcome Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahoe. Brought to you by KCSA Strategic Communications. Welcome to another episode of The Green Rush. One note before we start, if you can, please rate and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to it. And as always, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at GreenRushComs. It really helps us out. Um, Today, I am, uh, again, doing this alone and is on vacation, and we're recording this on December 29th. 2017, just two days before the state of California becomes an adult legal state. 2018 clearly is going to be a massive year for the cannabis industry. And today I'm talking with a friend of mine, uh, a gentleman named Jason Cranford of the Flowering Hope Foundation and South Park Pharma. Jason is one of the nation's leading developers of medicinal cannabis. And he created the strain Haley's Hope, which is a high CBD, low THC strain. Haley's Hope was developed to treat children with childhood epilepsy and is the name and impetus behind Georgia's Haley's Hope Act, which is the Peach State's medical marijuana legislation. Um, Jason and I met a few years ago when we were both working on a bid to secure a medical cannabis license in New York State. And while um, sadly we did not win that bid, um, he and I had become friends and he really is the reason why I had become such a passionate advocate for um, cannabis uh, legislation and proper regulation um, and understanding that this is really really a, a, a real medicine. So Jason, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Um, I think that the, the people who are listening are really going to appreciate a lot of what you have to say. Thanks for having me, Lewis. So why did you, how and why did you create Haley's Hope? I created Haley's Hope uh, because I saw a shortage in the market where there were children all over the country that were trying to access the safe alternative to pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, There was a a waiting list being formed to the very few manufacturers that were around. And I started working on uh, lowering the THC in a current strain that I had that I named Canitol. I was able to lower the the THC below 0.3% THC. And I met a little girl in Georgia named Haley Cox uh, through a lawmaker uh, named House Rep Alan Peake. And I did some research. I looked at a lot of uh, Raphael Mashulam's research in Israel, and I thought that I could help this little girl. So I reached out to her family. And can you tell people who Raphael Mashulam is? Because m- maybe some people don't know who he is. Professor Mashulam has uh, been dubbed the godfather of cannabis research. He isolated and identified THC and CBD. Um, he's done a lot of extensive research at Hebrew School of Medicine. Um, he's uh, done a research study on the entourage effect. He's done studies showing how THC acts as a pro-convulsant in mice with epilepsy. So he is, he's just one of my mentors and one of the, the people in the world that I've learned the most from. So you were you, you met this girl, Haley Cox, in Georgia, and, and then what happened? So I met her, uh, her mom, Janaea, in Georgia. Uh, Haley was in the hospital when I met Janaea. Uh, she was in PICU. She had stopped breathing 
and she was in very bad shape. And she had basically expired all pharmaceutical drugs, all antiepileptic drugs. So she was on her last hope. So we arranged to have her uh, flown um, out from Georgia to Colorado on a private jet. And I met them the following day. I uh, took them to the doctor's offices here, got them registered with the proper paperwork to make it legal. And I got her mother the cannabis oil within, I think, 48 hours of them getting here. And she started Haley on it. And uh, there was just amazing results. Over the next couple of weeks, her seizures went from hundreds a day to 15 to 10. And then uh, as time went on, uh, she started having seizure-free days. So, you know, Georgia is is considered a very conservative state. How Talk about the process of, of getting the Haley's Hope Act drafted and, and passed and, and, and the impact it's had there and across the country. So I'm from Georgia. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was really connected to this. Um, I wanted to play a part in it. I wanted to work with the state to craft uh, responsible legislation that would allow uh, safe access while uh, curbing any uh, black market attempts. Uh, we, we tried to get a bill passed that would allow for cultivation and distribution in Georgia, but Georgia is a very conservative state. You know, it's one of the Bible Belt states. So we had a lot of opposition in the Senate. Uh, the House, uh, House of Representatives, it was a landslide vote. They all supported it. Uh, the Senate does not support it. The governor does not support it. They don't want to hurt their people by saying they can't use it, but they just don't want to deal with the regulations of having to uh, control a license model. So they, they blocked us uh, years in a row. We've been trying this since 2014. So 14, 15, 16, 17, going into 18. This is our fifth round in this, uh, in this wow. fight. So currently, they only allow for possession, uh, no manufacturing or distribution. So there are parents who, who are in Georgia who have kids with childhood epilepsy who want to give their children um, Haley's Hope and can't. Um, how are they getting access to their medicine? And not necessarily from you, but from anybody. So we knew this problem was arising uh, in 2014. So I, what I did was I went back to the breeding table and I bred the strain uh, to reflect a 0.3 THC percentage or lower. So this qualified as, as hemp. Uh, I partnered with a university to apply for a cultivation license through the Department of Ag. Uh, we signed with uh, an IRB uh, to do research. And so we've done everything in our capabilities to be in compliant with state and federal law. Uh, the federal law will be in section 7606 of the uh, 2014 USDA Farm Bill. Uh, so we're able to ship the Haley's Hope products now, but a lot of times we run into uh, situations where the uh, cannabinoids derived from hemp aren't potent enough or there's not enough THC in it uh, to treat certain medical conditions. So Georgia still has a, a serious issue at hand. Uh, we can ship hemp-derived cannabinoids, but we can't ship marijuana-derived cannabinoids. And those seem to help uh, a lot of medical conditions more than hemp-derived cannabinoids. So we still have a fight there. So a lot of people have heard about CBD and they know that THC is the, the part that gets you high, but for, for somebody who has epilepsy or multiple sclerosis or any of the other indications or, or diseases that people are taking high CBD uh, strains for, why is the THC important? I mean, can you explain what the entourage effect is a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So it, the best way I can explain it is to think of a race car engine. 
you might take a couple of parts out of that engine and the engine will still function, it's still going to drive, but it's not going to be performing at its optimal level. You start removing too many parts from that engine, it just doesn't work at all anymore. And we don't really understand the relationship between compounds and plants and how they work, their mechanism of action, because this research has been blocked for almost 100 years now. We do know that it doesn't work as well. I've done the experiments myself. I've isolated CBD and given it to uh, epilepsy patients um, in, you know, versus some um, whole plant oil that contains other cannabinoids, THC, terpenes, the whole nine. And the difference is like night and day. So we do know that this uh, entourage effect exists. We just don't know the exact mechanisms of actions behind it. So that's that speaks to the the, the problem that the the federal government has not allowed real research to be done into the the dosing, the structure, how cannabis can be used to treat anything. What are you doing a, a, along those lines to do real um, approved research? So there is an issue with the federal government. If you want to hand out a controlled substance to patients and do a controlled study, you have to apply uh, for that research through uh, DHHS, which is uh, Department of Health and Human Services and NIDA. Uh, And then if you want to use uh, cannabinoids, per se, or marijuana, then you have to get the products through uh, University of Mississippi. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, they're the only marijuana cultivation facility in the country that has a GMP certificate issued by the FDA, which is required to use your products in clinical research. So the deepest red state in the nation is the only place that you can actually get medical cannabis from? Yes. If you're doing uh, government-approved research and you're actually giving the products out and controlling the dosing, then you have to get the product through NIDA, which comes through University of Mississippi, and there's up to an eight-year waiting list. And uh, another well-known researcher just uh, finally received her product from NIDA, and it was covered with mold. It was unusable. So I don't even think they were able to perform the research study because the product was contaminated, which is really crazy considering they have a GMP certificate, which is good manufacturing practices. So they should have SOPs in place to avoid any type of microbial contamination. Wow. So – Let's actually take a quick pause here for for our commercial sponsors. Um, we you're listening to the Green Rush podcast. I'm Lewis Goldberg, and I'm talking with Jason Cranford from Flowering Hope. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. Introducing Blue Moon CBD straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. 
the smoke is rising and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com banking and bud understanding the business of cannabis welcome back to the green rush only on cannabisradio.com and we are back on the green rush um jason cranford from flowering hope and one of the the, the you know the nation's premier um growers and developers of of medical cannabis um we've been talking about how to you know how you've been doing the research and developing um the you know the haley's hope strain Can you talk a little bit about how you got into cannabis, you know, I, I know this story, but I, I love you telling me about your dad and, and talk, talk to us a little bit about your background and your history. Okay. Uh, before we do that, I'd like to just say one more thing about the research. Uh, okay. So going through the federal government is a waste of time. So what we've done is contracted with a commercial IRB, uh, registered ourselves as an IORG with the Department of Health and Human Services. So now we are doing uh, uh, observational research on the efficacy of cannabinoids with autism and epilepsy. Gotcha. Um, and I've spoken, you know, when we were doing the, 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 uh, the bid for New York State, you got me in touch with some New York families who were using it and the stories that they tell about the impact that your medicine has had on their children's lives and their lives. I, you know, normally I tend to be, you know, snarky and kind of joking, but th- what you were doing is really serious stuff. And, um, uh, you know, this is not going to be the episode that everybody laughs a lot, maybe a little bit, because I, I really want you to tell the story about how you learned to grow pot. Um, because for me, I love this story, and I think it really shows the the development of, of how the black market is moving into the green market and how guys like you who are historic growers are changing the way that people should think about cannabis. Um, so t- tell everybody how you learned to grow pot. Okay, Lewis. So uh, when I was <laughs> okay, well, I, actually, it makes me laugh too. So when I was uh, about six years old, uh, I remember going out in my dad's backyard, and there was a corn patch. And every once in a while, they would get us to help chop down the corn, or we would go in there playing with it. Uh, and I remember my stepmother would actually, you know, take the corn and dry it out and cut it up and roll it up into joints. I was six years old. I didn't know what she was doing. (laughs) So that went on for probably two years. And then I didn't come in contact uh, with marijuana again until I think I was 12 in the seventh grade. Uh, One of my neighbor's older brothers had a joint and we started rolling it up. I smelled it and I said, it smells like corn. Everybody started laughing at me. uh, And then I quickly figured it out. Like, wait a minute, that wasn't corn my dad was growing. (laughs) So, so did, I asked you, him, did you ever ask him? Yeah, I'm sorry. Tell when you asked him what what did, what did he say? So when I asked him, I think I was 13 when I you know when I finally got the courage to ask him about it, and he started laughing and he showed me a, a marijuana plant that he was growing. Um, I think it was in his bedroom, and so I started helping him water that plant. Um, I learned how to sprout seeds uh, around the time I was 13 years old. 
And then I just, I've never stopped. I've always had plants growing since then. When I was 17, my mom caught me growing it in the ceiling, in a drop ceiling in a, in a condo we had. I had a light hanging up there and everything. Uh, when I was 19, my dad caught me growing it on a large scale on his property and gave me a choice. Um, he, had, he had stopped growing it by then. And he gave me a choice to, you know, either uh, move out or stop growing it. So I moved out and kept growing it. <laughs> Wow. That, that, that doesn't seem like a very hard choice, right? Right. And then I went to college, grew it the whole time I was in college, um, you know, connected with some guys that worked at the University of Georgia Horticultural Department, got to be an intern in their greenhouses, learn how, uh, you know, uh, ter- uh, climate controlled greenhouses are built and operate. And then I took that knowledge out to Humboldt in 2007 and started culting, cultivating out there for some collectives in the Bay Area. And when Colorado issued a license, I immediately moved here and applied for one. So you have a lot of kids. Um, I've I've met some of them. How do you talk to and, and I've been in your house and have seen you have, you know, grows in your house as well as your, your farm. How do you talk to your kids about cannabis? Um, they know what it is. Uh, you know, some of their one of their teachers at their school actually has a friend that uses Haley's Hope with her child. So, you know, they kind of walk around and, and they mention it to people what their, their dad does for a living. And the people they talk to are usually aware of it. You know, that was a shock um, to hear that their teacher uh, was aware of Haley's Hope. So I hide it from them. I, I, you know, I do, I do keep it under lock and key. We have a detached building where uh, I grew my personal plants. My kids are not allowed in there because... Uh, CPS in Colorado has an issue with that, so we keep it under lock and key. There, you know, we keep them away from it. Uh, you know, we don't blow smoke in our children's face and stuff like that. But I don't. <laughs> you I don't can hide blow it in my it. face. You can definitely blow it in my face. Yeah. Well, I remember that next time I see you. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, so, getting back to the, some of the, the 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 more serious stuff, when um somebody when a child has childhood epilepsy and is suffering from a grand mal seizure, Haley's Hope is not a rescue medicine, right? I mean, it's something that you have to build up in, in somebody's bloodstream. What can a parent do when the kid is, is literally having a seizure and has stopped breathing? I know you were working on something to help that. So clinical research uh, has shown that CBD cannabidiol is a neuroprotectant. It's such a strong neuroprotectant that the U.S. government, uh, Department of Health and Human Services, owns the 6630507 patent, which is cannabinoids as antioxidants and neuroprotectants. So C- uh, CBD does act as a neuroprotectant. Um, research done by GW Pharma shows that it reduces uh, seizures, the frequency, the intensity. But in my experience of working with marijuana and hemp-derived CBD, it will not act as a rescue medication. So there was a huge problem with the, the kids that I was working with where, I, yeah, I could reduce their, their seizures and I could reduce the intensity. But when they did break through, I couldn't stop them. So it made me go back to the drawing board. And what did you find? What did you figure out? Well, I started looking at uh, pharmaceutical uh, rescue meds such as Diastat, um, Ativan, Verse, there were several of them. Uh, they're mostly benzodiazepine based, which means it's psychoactive. And, and it's I also a, it's a heavy duty narcotic, right? I mean, benzodiazepine is a serious drug. It's not right. something you play around with. Yes, yeah, it's, it's serious. It, it stops breathing. Like it, it'll put these kids in a coma if you give too much. Uh, and it paralyzes their lungs. Like there's there's serious side effects to these pharmaceutical drugs. 
But I wanted to mimic how that worked in the brain. So it, found, it made sense to me that something psychoactive would change the way the brain was firing. And so then I started thinking about what is the fastest way that I can get uh, a psychoactive organic compound into somebody's brain? Well, obviously, it's smoking it. Uh, so I started playing around with uh, little nebulizers and inhalers with a face mask. But what I quickly realized is that the kids aren't breathing when they're having a, a, a grand mal seizure. That's why their lips are in blue. Their lungs are paralyzed. They can't inhale the vapor that you're putting in the mask. So then I started looking at rectal delivery and absorption. And that's really easy to mess up if you don't get it in the right spot or, you know, you can't tell if it's coming out. <laughs> All right. So well, here's one. So one slip and you're in deep shit. Uh, yeah, Lewis. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I know you had to. I, I could, you know, come on a little bit. So, you know, nasal is the uh, is, uh, second fastest other than going through your lungs. Going through your lungs, I would say, is the quickest. Uh, it has a very high bioavailability rate. Uh, going through the nasal cavity is the second. Since I couldn't go through the lungs, I wanted to go through the nasal. Uh, there is a, um, you have an olfactory nerve in your nose. It actually carries uh, smells from your nasal cavity to your brain, I believe to the cerebellum where your, uh, a lot of your motor function happens. So it's the same thing like particles of stuff are floating around the air, you inhale it, it sticks to your olfactory nerve within a nanosecond, that signal is transmitted and you recognize uh, that smell. So the delivery of the cannabinoids and the terpenes are, the, are basically the same concept as that. We're coating the olfactory nerve with it which immediately transmits through the blood-brain barrier. And we developed a uh, nasal spray called Canatol RX uh, Rescue. And it works. I mean, you've shown videos of kids who are having grand mal seizures, and uh, a parent will put a, a, a squirt or two of this in their nose, and within 20 to 30 seconds, the, the seizure has stopped. Um, how are people getting this? How are people able to, to, to get your, your, your new formulation? So the... It's, uh, it's anecdotal evidence. You've seen the videos. I've, you know, I've probably done about 30 or 40 videos of this nasal spray working. Obviously, it stops the seizure in about 20 seconds with all the kids, uh, but it's still anecdotal proof. Uh, we need clinical research to actually prove that it's the nasal spray that's stopping the seizure, not something else. Uh, this is a Schedule One control uh, or Schedule One substance. Um, it is included in the CSA. It's uh, THC is the active ingredient in it. I can't ship it over state lines, unfortunately, unless I want to risk a uh, federal prosecution, which makes it really hard for me because, you know, I see these kids seizing all over Facebook and I would like to ship a bottle into the state they're in and I can't, I'll, you know, I could go to jail for a very, very long time for that. Um, so we ha they have to come and pick it up in Colorado. Uh, we've done several fundraisers. We raised 40000 with Open Vape and uh, some NFL players. And we donated $40,000 worth of the amount to people that came to Colorado to pick it up. And since then, uh, since I can't ship to get around that, I'm partnering with uh, licensed medical marijuana companies in states where it's legal and they produce it there using uh, my formulas and delivery devices. Well, let's take a quick break right here. Um, and you're listening to the Green Rush Podcast. I'm talking with Jason Cranford from Flowering Hope, and we'll be right back. More Green Rush coming up. After we roll through our sponsors. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. 
Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. What do master growers, dispensary owners, extraction artists, and infusion chefs all have in common? They'll all be in Denver, Colorado at NCIA Seed the Sales Show, February 7th and 8th. Don't miss a chance to learn alongside 3,000 of the cannabis industry's best and brightest in three highly focused tracks about cultivation, infused products and extractions, and business strategies and innovation. Network and shop for all of your business needs across 40,000 square feet of Expo 4. Register before January 29th to save $200. NCIA Seed the Sales Show. SeedTheSalesShow.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, uh, we are back. Um, I'm Lewis Goldberg and Donahoe, who is normally my co-hostess with the mostess. And yes, I said it, and she can be pissed off at me later about that. Um, we are talking with uh, Jason Cranford. Um, as I said, Jason is one of the, the, you know, the, the country's preeminent growers of medicinal cannabis, but you don't only grow medicine. You also grow some of the fun stuff. Um, and why don't you talk a little bit about your Cranford brand of pre-rolled cannabis cigarettes? Cause I've seen them. Um, I think they're amazing to look at. Um, they smoke just like a regular cigarette does talk about how you came up with this and, and where you see that brand going. So I actually was opposed to it when the idea was first pitched to me, Uh, to make the marijuana cigarette, I was kind of opposed to it. I didn't really want to do that crossover between marijuana and commercial tobacco. The more I thought about it and the more I talked to some veterans that I knew or that I knew, uh, we started realizing that, you know, this is a great standardized way to deliver cannabinoids, you know, with a lot of the edibles, uh, these vets will eat the edibles and they don't realize how much THC is in it. And it gives them a panic attack, like actually increase the symptoms of PTSD. So with the cigarette, it's very easy. You hit it a couple of times, you wait. You hit it a couple of times, you wait. There's 100 milligrams in each cigarette. We lab test them. So you always know- 100 milligrams of CBD or THC? THC. Okay. And so uh, my second thought that uh, that made me want to do it was that it was very uh, discreet. Um, I don't want to get you in trouble, Lewis, but I think I was with you one day at Times Square- we were all wearing suits and we lit the cigarettes up and everybody around us was saying, I smell marijuana and they were looking for who was smoking it. We're sitting there smoking the cigarettes and they never even looked at us. They were looking around us, over us. So it's a very, that, that might, that might have been me. That might've been me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because I like the, the industry doesn't mean I don't have to wear a suit and you know, I look good in a suit. But, you know, I'm such a nerd uh, that I wanted to do a peer-reviewed research study on the actual cigarette. So we did, uh, I worked with a, a PhD neurologist and who's done several peer-reviewed research papers. And we actually did a research paper on the cigarette, the consistency, the manufacturing process, how it's standardized, 
the lab reports, and uh, we published that. So as far as I know, I'm one of the only uh, researchers that's done a peer-reviewed uh, research paper, white paper on a joint. <laughs> that, I would love to, to read it, and then I'm sure some of the people who will read it will actually take the paper and use it to roll a joint with. Um, so uh, we are at the point in the show where we do uh, a segment called Puff, Puff, Pass. Um, it's an opportunity for you to tell us two things that you really love about the industry and the one thing that drives you nuts. Um, and given that 2018 is going to be a real transformational year for cannabis with California coming online, with Massachusetts and Maine. So talk to me, tell us quickly, what are the two things that you absolutely love about the cannabis industry? Well, I love the birth of a new industry. I love watching the laws change state by state. You know, it's like a landslide or watching an avalanche spread across the country. So we're in a monumental time in history where, you know, this is going to be written about in the history books and, you know, 200 years from now, just like alcohol prohibition is written about now. So that's very exciting to me. Uh, the second exciting thing is, is watching an organic plant, um, help people and alleviate medical symptoms, cure medical conditions, make people walk they couldn't walk. I've seen it give people their sight back when they were going blind. So it's just a miracle plant and to watch it work on people and see their lives change is, is huge to me. That's what keeps me going. And what about the thing that drives you nuts? So what irritates me the most about the industry is the carpetbagger, used car salesman types that have pretty much fell from their other walks of life or occupations and have decided that they want to get into the CBD game. So these, uh, these types of people are making frivolous claims. We work very hard uh, to obtain USC organic certification on Haley's Hope. We did all the regulatory issues uh, and we ob- obtained the service or the certification. So to see people claim organic or to claim that they're compliant with the farm bill when they're not partnered with a university, uh, they just make all these false claims so that they can make a quick buck and sell it. And it, it really pisses me off because I've done the hard work, the legwork, I paid all the lawyers and everything to be in compliant and have the best product available. And these people come in with their charlatan false claims and try to say their product is equivalent when they're not. That, that, that sucks. And there's a lot of people who are looking at this industry just as the money of it. And, and you know, I, we call the podcast The Green Rush because it's all about the intersection of, of, of cannabis and, and money. Um, so speaking of money, I know that you and I have talked over the years about how to raise money and how you're using this money to, to, to make your products more accessible. So take a moment to talk about what you're doing in terms of fundraising, um, whether you're selling stock or planning on going public, um, and then we'll we'll wrap it up and and let everybody go back and prepare for New Year's. Uh, so Haley's Hope is a, a family-owned company. It's a private company. I've never sold any. I've never given up any control over it. Uh, I've always wanted to keep this keep this company legit, uh, real, and honest. So I've made sure I kept control. Uh, the other product, uh, the Canatol RX for nasal spray, uh, for rescue, for epileptic uh, status seizures, that product is going to require clinical trials. And I've developed another product called P450 Proxy uh, that was just featured on Vice. And that product was designed for autism. Uh, those two products uh, are currently involved in IRB research, preclinical research. And then we're about to do uh, clinical trials I formed a company called JC Pharma Incorporated uh, to house the research and to own the, the patents and the um, IP behind these products. Uh, this is a little out of my realm. Uh, you know, there's no way I can fund this. So we are putting together 
some investment opportunities into this uh, pharmaceutical company uh, for an angel round of investment. And this uh, portfolio or our deck should be done within about 30 days. So for anybody listening, if you're actually interested in getting access to that, you can email me um, or email KCSA at greenrush at kcsa.com. And in a month or so, when Jason's got that deck available, um, we will be happy to facilitate getting that around. Um, I want to thank you, Jason, for taking time out of your day. I know you're, you, you are literally on the farm um, growing right now uh, to talk to me and to talk to us about the real medical side of cannabis. I mean, you know, everybody that we've talked to to date has been talking about, you know, selling it and, and, and their history with making money on it. And while you have really come to this from a, a much more um, altruistic perspective, and I think it's important for people to understand the real medicine behind cannabis. Um, you know, I get caught up at times with looking at the stocks that are going up and down, and I get caught up in, in the, the regulation and the legislation and forget that you brought me to this industry through the parents and the children who have childhood epilepsy and the impact that Haley's Hope has had on their lives. And I think it's really important for people to understand that the glamour of cannabis is, is fun, but the more important side to the industry is the medicine of it. And there's nobody I know who is more important to moving that forward than you. So thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Yeah, this, this occupation has pretty much grabbed me by the soul and I can't lose focus. Um, so that's it for this episode of the green rush. Um, if you want to communicate with us and chat with us, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter with the handle at green rush comms, as well as at www.kcsa-cannabis.com. Or you can drop us an email at green rush at KCSA. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast podcatcher. Um, this is Lewis Goldberg and um, as a little tease, next Tuesday, um, we're going to be interviewing Congressman Dana Rohrabacher of the Rohrabacher Far Memo um, about what happens um, in 2018 in California. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.